Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 232 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining me again today, the, uh, the, the heart and soul of Red Leg Nation Radio, Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill? The elder statesman of, since, <laughs> of Red Leg Nation. Yeah, I need to remember that. I keep forgetting what we call you. I can't. Um, I don't care what you call me. Just call me for supper. Just that's right. Amen. Uh, <laughs> all right, we got a lot to get to today. We got a fun interview with, uh, and we'll have to we'll intro intro it a little more later. But we, we should. Uh, We've got a very special guest later. Yeah, special guest later. We'll, we'll stay tuned for that because it's a really, really fun talk, uh, a short talk, but a, a good talk with uh, one of our old friends here from Red Leg Nation Radio. But before we get to that, a couple of thing, items in the news that we need to talk about. And uh, and even before we get to that, I want to mention, uh, I talked last week and the week before about the uh, Books by the Banks book festival uh, in downtown Cincinnati this past weekend. So not technically by the banks, but... Uh, that's yeah. the name of it. Where it came from is a whole different question. Right. But uh, I was, uh, and Bill, you came down for it. Uh, I was really blown away by uh, by that whole thing. It was just all day long, basically a free event with just a bunch of authors, uh, signing books, talking to readers, uh, author panels, and uh, really appreciate those of you that stopped by and said hello and, and, and got a book. And uh, that's, that's a great event, right? Actually, I was very, very impressed. Uh, I, I went to the panel. Which what was it? Sports in Cincinnati or sports authors? What was it? Sports in Cincinnati, I think, was the name of the okay. panel. It, it, the the funniest thing to me was you you and Chad and the two guys that wrote the Bengals book got most of the questions. You and you and Chris, but it, it was very apparent that the four of you were the ones that had never done this before. <laughs> what do you mean by it, that? Well, because the other guys brought like Arardi brought pictures, <laughs> yeah, and the and the guy that did the beep guy, which was fascinating, yeah. One of these authors wrote a book about blind and vision impaired people playing baseball, and, and it's a fascinating subject. Yeah, the, he, the book's called brought, the book's called he brought beep. the beep baseball and and stuff. So they all had props, and you guys were just there. <laughs> you know, you were so you were so. You know, over the you, you guys were so had so much information you didn't need props. We were just happy to be there, happy to be invited. <laughs> but uh, it was it was very interesting. I'm and uh, you know any any time you're on a panel with John Arardi, you ought to be impressed. Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, John's uh, great. Uh, John's been on the podcast, of course, and I uh, love his book uh, that's out now. And it was it was a good panel. It was a really good event, and a bunch of people came out to buy uh, the Big Fifty. The men and moments. There, there he goes. There he goes again. He hadn't plugged it in four minutes. He was overdue. <laughs> Bill, I'm shameless. You know that. There ain't no doubt about that. I've known you too many years. <laughs> That's a fact. Did, did you end up with any books at the end of the day? I actually did not purchase any, but uh, Chris. No, no, I mean, no, no, no. I mean, did you guys sell all you had? Oh, no, not all of them, but almost. Almost. Yeah. Um, they were moving like hotcakes when I was there. Oh yeah, yeah. I, c- I couldn't believe the number of people that were coming through and uh, and and buying books. And it's always fun. Multiple to- copies. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Can you sign three for me? It was fantastic. And I want to. Uh, I, I did already make note of the, the the listeners that came out to say hi. And I want to especially note one who couldn't make it, but he sent his uh, uh, this lovely young woman came up and said, you know, look, uh, my husband said I had to come and get you to say some guy's name. Oh God! Here he goes again. 
And you I'm do like, have no shame. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it was it was funny. She said, "I, I can't remember was it," and she stumbled for money, and then she then she sort of got it. So, of course, uh, I always enjoy being able to talk about our favorite Cincinnati Red of all time, Billy Hamilton, Lisa Alberto Bonilla. Now that was what fun. It? it was great. And, um, Bobby Tolan, Bobby Tolan. We got we did had some Bobby Tolan talk. Yeah, I mean, that's what's fun about these events. People coming out and and their reference point for the book is whatever chapter they remember that they were there. And and it's just been it's been a blast meeting you guys uh, and meeting the listeners of the podcast as well. It, which it amazes me every time we have one of these events. How many of you all come out? And I uh, just could not be more grateful. Um, I got to tell you though, none of them was as fun as the the earlier today. I had a chance to run over and uh, see my 91-year-old grandmother. Today's her birthday. And Happy birthday, Grandma. Happy birthday. And she's actually, if you have the book, uh, it's dedicated to her. Um, and uh, just a big Reds fan from way back. And she's finally getting a chance to read it uh, here in the last couple of weeks. She started reading it. And uh, she just wanted to talk about it. Oh, she couldn't believe it. Joe Morgan, you know, he got hurt and he sat behind home plate. And, oh, what about that Vandermeer, you know, and... She was just going on and on, and she said, and I knew when I saw that uh, chapter called Sparky and George, I couldn't wait because Sparky Anderson was just the nicest guy. And I just had a blast talking to her about it, and uh, she's read more of the book than my wife has, which is uh, an ongoing source of discontent in our household. But I mean, uh, You're just making points left and right with, <laughs> with your wife, aren't you? I know. She's not going to listen to this. She wouldn't even read my book. Oh, anyway. So how about we get back to the Cincinnati Reds? You want to? I think we probably have to. Yeah, I think so. People are expecting that. And uh, today, a couple of bits of news, and you, I'm sure everyone knows what the big news is, the manager's hire, but let's talk qu- quickly as we could because they, Rawlings announced the finalists for the Gold Glove Awards. You know, And the way they do that these days is uh, they announce three finalists for each position, and then later on they will announce the winner. And the Reds had two kind of three finalists for uh, Gold Gloves, and it's ones we've heard before. Uh, Billy Hamilton was a finalist for center field gold glove. He's never worn won that before. I've been a finalist. This is at least his third time as a finalist, maybe fourth. Uh, Joey Votto, who's won one and been a finalist at least a couple of other times. He was a finalist for the first base gold glove. And then, of course, Adam Duvall, who played part of the year with the Reds and finished up the season on the Atlanta bench. He was one of the three finalists for left field gold glove. I think it's the third straight year that Duvall has been one of the finalists. So, any of that surprising to you? Any any thoughts about that? The other thing that surprised me a little bit is that Tucker wasn't a finalist. It was, it was I'm, I'm, not, I'm not blown away by that, by the, you know, but it, it, I'm a little surprised that he's not a finalist. I thought he would at least be a finalist you know, after winning. Um, and uh, I see Posey, and I'm trying to remember who it was. I looked to see who was nominated, and I can't remember now. But uh, I was surprised. I, I'm not surprised about Hamilton or Votto being uh being a finalist, um, I mean, I don't I'm a little surprised about Votto. I, you know, they can give me the you know the UZR and all that stuff, but my eyeballs just tell me he's not that great of a defensive first baseman. Uh, well, I don't know. What are we comparing it to? Are are there that many great defensive first basemen? Well, that's a question. good point. That's a point too. But uh, yeah. you know, I, he's no Barry Larkin. Well, Barry never played first base. Can you imagine how well he would have played first base though? Yeah. Uh, what about here's my, the question that I have about Billy Hamilton? You know who Billy Hamilton is? He's a comic book superhero. Billy I'm Ham- hoping that this will be the last thing he ever does in a red uniform. Oh, blasphemy! What, here's what I'm thinking: What if he wins the Gold Glove? Bob Castellini will sign him to a 
lifetime contract. Oh my Don't say that even joking. Gold glove center fielder, man. Mm-hmm. Come on. Can't hit his weight and he doesn't weigh anything. <laughs> yeah, when you're as skinny as him and you can't hit your weight, that is pretty bad, isn't it? It's not good. <laughs> oh, Billy Hamilton and um that guy, uh, what's his name? Joey Votto, and then the other guy, Adam Duvall. Congrats yeah. to those guys. Hope they all win. Absolutely. Um, we, hope, we, we hope they all win. Hope they all win. I I don't know that any of them are the favorites this year, even even Hamilton. So, but I'll tell you what, how, how you could vote for something. Mean, now we see Billy every day, and I don't see the the other finalists every day. But boy, I have a, I, I struggle to think anybody's better than he is in center field. And even if someone happened to be this year, at some point you got to give him like the lifetime achievement gold glove. It's crazy that he's never won one. It's kind of like when the Bengals were the second best team in the AFC for years, but they played in the same division as Pittsburgh. Yeah. I, so I, I, mean, there, were, there were years that they lost, you know, two games or three games, and two of them were to Pittsburgh. What's that like American football you're talking about? Huh? Is that like American football you're talking about? I don't understand. That's that's real football. Oh, oh, I see. the one with the points on the end. Oh, I guess if you say so. Um, okay. But, the, our FC Cincinnati team did win their first playoff game last weekend. What? Whoa, whoa! The Cincinnati team won a playoff game. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Oh my goodness! They actually advanced in the advanced in the to the next round. How does that work? They took. They had to go to penalty kicks to do it, but they did it. Wow. <laughs> That's real football there. That's the best football team in Cincinnati. Well, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> so the ball doesn't have points. Uh, what about the Reds manager? The Reds announced this week that before, David. Before, before we go on to that, I just saw. I just noticed. I was just. I was looking at the article about the Golden Glove, and down at the bottom, I think we ought to tell people that. And I didn't know this. This is the first I know of it. The Reds Hall of Fame and Museum will close November first to undergo renovations. And we'll reopen with ribbon cutting ceremonies prior to opening day 2019. Yeah, I was talking with uh, John Arardi actually this weekend about that. He, that's the first I'd heard of it. And he said they're doing a complete top to bottom remodel um, of, the, of the Hall of Fame. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what that's going to be because that's the. As point. long as it isn't taking money away from payroll. <sighs> don't, don't <laughs> you, don't get started. <laughs> there he goes again. There he goes again. Um, but they do a great job with that Hall of Fame. Oh, it's amazing! It's, and, and from whatever, from everybody I've ever heard of, there's not one in baseball that holds a candle to it. Right? Yeah, I think everyone agrees with that. And so I'm excited to see what they do with the new, uh, Me too. Up, all the upgrades. So uh, this this past week, David Bell was announced as the new manager for the Cincinnati Reds. That's my favorite really? baseball team. Yes, you may have heard something about David Bell being hired, um, and you also may have heard something about David Bell's family. His father, Buddy Bell, who uh, played for the Reds uh, briefly, and, of course, Gus Bell. Uh, I don't know if he'd say a legendary Red, but a, certainly a significant Red uh, in the history of this club. Um, had a really good career for Cincinnati. Uh, so David Bell used to be a manager in the system, and now he's going to be the manager of the big league team. And uh, did you get a chance to watch the uh, the press conference? Where he was announced? No, I, I saw clips. You know, I, I didn't see the, whole, the the entire thing. The, the the thing about this to me is, and I, and and I think we, we we were talking about this last weekend when we were talking about the, the the website and Facebook and things. And sometimes you just don't want to read the comments, you know. <laughs> yeah, usually. If if you had taken David Bell's resume and took his name off the top and just 
handed it to somebody and say, what do you think about this guy for a manager? You would be nothing because he would check every box you yes. want. I see where you're going, and that's been one of my frustrations. And and, and I the, the main complaint I hear about him is that his name is Bell. Yeah. And I'm sorry, you should, just as I don't want a job, your name to get you a job, I don't want your name to keep you from getting a job. That, that's exactly the point that I've been trying to make, which is that this guy is qualified on his own merits. And we keep hearing nepotism, this and that. And there's there's a reason for that. Cincinnati has had a long history of wanting to hire guys in-house, uh, you know, uh, a Cincinnati guy. Hire, sign. Yeah, right, yes. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's something that we've seen forever and ha- often has had sort of an outsized role in determining who they're going to bring into this organization. But I don't, you know, and you can say that about David Bell. And if you're really looking for something to get upset about, okay, yeah, his, you know, his his dad already works for the Reds. But I don't know that I look at and the he, and he was with the and he was with the Cardinals, <laughs> which is another complaint you hear about, you know, a lot of times. Yeah, David Bell was with the Cardinals. That's another, uh, especially with, during the Walt Jockety uh, era. So yeah, okay, if you want to argue that, fine. But you also have to concede that David Bell is a pretty darn good candidate for manager. As shown by the fact that two other teams were chasing him, um, as shown by the, I mean, I just he has every qualification. Big league player, uh, he's he's worked in the big league front office. He has been a big league coach and a minor league manager. I mean, he's 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 sort of a younger guy, you know. I mean, he's everything I would have asked for if his name was you know Joe Smith and he came from the Tampa Bay Rays or somewhere somewhere with this exact same resume. We'd all be like, hey, you know, this is exciting young hire. But because he's a bell, uh, and, and the Reds aren't—I guess I say—aren't helping. But the Reds are trying to accentuate that. That's that's all Bob Castellini wanted to talk about at the press conference and afterwards. Yeah, and I think that was a huge—that's a huge mistake. You know, it, it, well, I shouldn't say that. With with Joe Fan, yeah, my, it's probably a positive. But it does a disservice those, to David Bell. I don't. Well, I don't think that I don't necessarily agree with that. But it. it but it. It. it Makes people discount his other his other credentials. No, that's why I say it does him a disservice because it. it I don't know. I, I think he deserves uh, this chance, and I think he's earned it. And I'm excited about it. I mean, you know, the way you and I, were, I think we were texting at one point last week, uh, right before Bell was announced, and we, were, I was like, uh, you know, we were talking about what if it's Bell, and you were like, well, I'm not against it, <laughs> you know, and that's why I am. I don't know if he's going to be a great manager, right? We we don't know, but he he I'm willing to give him a chance because he sort of checks all the boxes that I'm looking for, and I don't know what ever all the other interviews were like, but from what I know about David Bell, yeah, I like it. I mean, I'm happy with it. Uh, yeah, me too. I mean, like you said, without being in the interviews, and and some of these guys, hell, I didn't know them from you know Johnny Appleseed. Uh, but, you know, like, as I said, you know, when we started talking about this, if you had taken a bunch of resumes and, and sheared the names off the top, it sounds to me like this is the guy that would have risen, risen to the top because he had all these different levels, different types of experience, including front office, which, you know, other than Armas, pardon me, I don't think any of the other ones had any front office experience. Right. And also, uh, David Bell has been very clear that he is uh he has immersed himself in analytics and and he's been very vocal about wanting to utilize every bit of information he can find 
to uh, help improve the performance on the field. Um, and so, you know, hearing those things, I'm like, yeah, that's the guy I want now. But I wasn't willing to go out and say David Bell's absolutely the best choice because I don't know what the rest of the guys said in their interviews. And, you know, so but I can fully believe that he was the best candidate, despite what his name is. And and Dick Williams, the Reds uh, president of baseball operations, said they started with 90, 90 names on their list of candidates. And uh, that's basically every coach. and <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, everybody's great, drawing breath in Major League Baseball, and they narrowed it down to to David Bell. And so I don't know. I just thought it was uh, I thought it was a, a good press conference. I thought it was uh, I, I was impressed with everyone being on the same page. I was impressed with David Bell's willingness to utilize every bit of information at uh, at his disposal. I think that it, there's an opportunity here for him to be a successful manager, and but then again. It's all going to depend on the players that Dick Williams and Nick Crawl and Bob Castellini, Castellini give him. That's what that's what's going to come down to. He may be the best manager ever. Sparky Anderson couldn't have won with last year's team. Right, I, I agree. And he and he has said some interesting things since since he's been hired. Uh, you know, I, I like the fact. One thing he said, which I find a little puzzling, he said the analytics confirms things that they that are already in practice. But he didn't say what. I'd be, I'd be curious, to, and, and they didn't press him on it. I, I'd be curious to know exactly what he was talking about. Now, now he didn't start getting into analytics till 2014, so he's—I mean, I guess for a guy that was already in baseball, that's not late. You know, that, that's when people were starting. You know, we've been talking analytics for 20 years at right. different varying levels. So, you know, but, he, he said he's open-minded as to how all these all these other teams are, are using pitching now i think that's real interesting one of the other things that he said in one of these in one of these articles that i read and this is the first time i remember now maybe the reds have said this in the past and i don't remember it but they're talking about a system systematic wide approach yeah and, and if that's the case boy i'm happy to hear that because that's one of the things we've been complaining about for years mm-hmm. yeah top to bottom yeah and you need to have everybody pulling in the same direction and i don't None of us have had the sense that that's happened in Cincinnati before. Well, the, the fact that they and, and and I think Steve wrote it on the webs on on Red Lake Nation. You can't help but be impressed with this search. Oh, absolutely! If they, if they really started with ninety guys and brought twelve guys in for interviews, now is it is that twelve real candidates, or, or you know, is that counting you know Freddie Benavides and you know, yeah, the one yeah, they, the courtesy candidates. Yeah, courtesy interviews. But they talked in one of these things where, where uh, I guess, the serious candidates, each one of their li- each one of their interviews took a full day. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a that's a heck of an interview. I've had jobs, you know, important jobs, good jobs that that didn't interview me for longer than a couple hours. All right. Well, you're so put- I, I think that's pretty impressive. Well, it's one of the guys that's uh, leading one of the the parts of your billion dollar company here. Yeah, right. I, I, I think it's we've been saying for months. The Reds need to do a full search and, uh, you know, not limit it to people in, within the organization. And, yes, they ended up hiring a guy whose dad already works for him. But I just – I'm so pleased with the process. It's exactly what I was begging for this summer when everybody, including uh, certain beat writers, were ringing the bell that the Reds need and to – And Reds see, announcers. And Reds announcers that the Reds need to go ahead and, and make Jim Riggleman the full-time manager. And I thought, no, why wouldn't you go through this full process? And And – 
interview people outside the organization. And Dick Williams said something about being able to talk to uh, other candidates outside the organization has and get their feedback on the way the Reds are currently doing things, allow them to see things that maybe they'd been missing or to think about things in a different way. And I just think for the yep. whole organization, it's nothing but a good thing. And I don't hear any of those guys still saying, well, why didn't you hire Jim Riggleman after a full search was done? Clearly, David Bell is a much better candidate than Jim Riggleman for, for manager of this forward, team going forward. I don't forward. argue with that. I honestly don't. Uh, there was there was some uh, – Nightingale wrote an article – two days ago in the inquiry, but, and, and you could have talked a little bit about it. We we're talking about the Reds learned how much the Reds learned about themselves. And, and like you said, it, the search makes them look inward and see what organizations need, what the organization needs. And they learn from what they pick out in these interviews, how other teams are doing things. Yeah. I thought it was great. The other thing is that they came out in that article was at a certain point in the process, they prior prioritized major league coaching experience. So I, I don't know who that knocked out of the box. Yeah. But it must have, you know, had an interview or an effect. And my guess is the reason they did that is a different interview I saw that uh, Dick Williams did with Lance McAllister on the radio. And uh, really a, a revealing interview, may have revealed more than, than Dick Williams wanted to reveal, um, in which he said that the Reds have, not, he feels like the Reds have not done as well as they could have in the recent past in communicating the, the analytical concepts and, the, and all the information and all the research are doing, communicating that to the players. And he thinks with David Bell, that that's a, a, that was one of the priorities. And maybe that's why you want a guy that's been a big league coach, but is able, so he's able to communicate well with his players. And, and, and David Bell said he was going to as well. And I can say now, since Dick Williams said that uh, when we had our little red leg nation, uh, you know, they, they, they talked to some of our writers and, they're really uh, kind to us. Give us some time with uh, Sam Grossman, assistant general manager, and with Dick Williams. And one of the first questions we had for the, for those guys, um, and I can't remember who asked the question, was what is in place to um, get this information to the to the players? What, what kind of how, how does that process work? You know, and yeah, I'm not going to say exactly what was said, but I'll say that I was. We you mean all, how? You mean the analytical concepts and, and and that kind of thing? Is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, whatever, whatever research they're doing, whatever they think can help the, the players on the field. Uh, how is it being relayed to the players to improve performance? And again, I'm not going to say exactly what was said because uh, there wasn't a really a satisfactory answer. And I got the sense that there was not really a good. I think that under Brian Price and Jim Riggleman, there was perhaps some resistance. Is the, and they didn't say that specifically, but that's what it came across to me. And, and But there was a re realization that they needed someone that could – we're all one team. Hey, we got some of this – you know, a lot of teams are sending these analy these analytics guys on the road with them. You know, they're in the clubhouse every day. And I don't get the sense, based upon what Dick Williams said to Lance McCullough, that that's been the case lately. And I think it's absolutely going to be the case going forward. And I think – we can get upset about the fact it's not been that way because we're behind every other organization in baseball practically. But the fact is, at least they're moving in the right direction finally. I think does that, does that make sense? Yeah, and when you were talking, when we were talking about the major league experience before, it also gives you credibility with these players if you'd at least coached in the big leagues. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you if you'd only been a minor league coach, pardon me, you know. Somebody, you know, like, and you're going to tell Joey Votto something. Right. I, I think you're, you might have a credibility problem. David Bell played 12 years. He managed some of these guys uh, in the minor leagues. He, uh, you know, he's been a coach at the big league level. Right. Worked in front. I mean, I, I think he's an outstanding 
candidate. And I, the, the other thing that I found interesting from one of these articles is the front office sees Bell's, Bell as being able to send a unifying message to the players. Yeah. Was there a problem with that before? That's the subtext, it seems like, doesn't it? You know, and, and it, I, I think we're going to learn a lot more. Uh, I, I agree with you. I, I think this is the best hire that the Reds could make. Yeah, I think uh, so. Uh, and, and, you know, you guys can complain, oh, it's just, he's a bell, or, you know, they went cheap. Those are the people that wanted Girardi, you know. And, and, and that's all supposition. Nobody knows any of that stuff. Right. You know, it's just somebody griping because they, you know, either because they like to gripe or they feel like they have grounds to gripe. But I think the next telling thing is going to be when they announce the coaching staff. Yeah. And I don't think it, any of the, I don't think any of the current coaches are coming back. The only one I could see possibly coming back is Hatcher because they because the front office loves him. Well, I shouldn't say he's been here. I shouldn't say that he's been here a long time. Yeah, but he's been here through some. Well, been here for good times and bad. There's times. no reason to keep him. If they want to keep him in the organization, make him a minor league instructor somewhere. Yeah, a minor league outfield instructor, roving instructor, or something like that, like they did to Mac Jenkins when they demoted him. Right. I, I, but I think we're going to get all new guys just because I think there's going to be a clean break and bring in all guys who are comfortable uh, con- utilizing all information at their disposal and being able to. Uh, Get that to the players. I mean, okay. I think it's, it's going to be a, a, a distinct change in the way the Reds. Okay, so now that we've got all the expectations built up here, let me throw some water. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. Why do we believe that we aren't going to have the same problems between ownership and the front office that we've had in the past? There is zero reason to believe that. That's going to, that, so, that, that, that that part will be any better. So, so all of this is for naught, if that is true. Probably. I mean, uh, you can have the best relationship ever amongst, uh, it's sort of what we said earlier, amongst your manager and front office and uh, all those lines of communication open. But if the players that manager is being provided or the players that the front office is permitted to go get are not good or, enough, or, then it doesn't matter. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I heard you mention last week when you, on the podcast about a certain player who's been traded a number of times, supposedly. That's the story. And, you know, and that's insane. It's just. But, and I've said this on here before, and I think you've probably said the same thing, at least in some, probably in some, probably better. But when you've got an owner that's fallen in love with players, you're on the road to ruin. Yeah, oh yeah. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> because the job of, of running a major league franchise cannot be correctly handled if you're governed by emotion or exactly. by, uh, or by, you know, um, the, the fact that you like one guy or don't like another guy, you got to be sort of cold hearted and say, I, I, I love this guy, but to make this team better, I got to trade him. And so, and, and, and the owner is, is clearly governed by uh, emotion and by his fandom. And I get it. I am too, but, uh, I'm not making these decisions. So you yeah, have that, to realize that to achieve the goal that you promised this city oh so many years ago, yeah, you can't treat this like a thirty billion dollar toy to play with. Fantasy team, yeah. Well, not even fantasy team. Fantasy team, you don't pick your favorite guys. You pick guys you think are going to help you win. Not me. I used to play fantasy baseball. And I just pick all reds. 
How many times you win your division? Zero. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, I think there's something to be learned there. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> well, um, let's let's get in now, if we could, to the uh, the interview that we've got here because it's there's some telling comments I think uh, about our, the Reds' new manager in there, and uh, won't you go ahead and if you or I can do it, but won't you go ahead and intro this interview, uh, Bill, because you did a really good interview with our, our buddy Matt Clinker. Yeah, it was. It's always good. <laughs> Anybody who's been listening to these podcasts for a long time knows that I, over the years, Matt and I became pretty good friends um, to the point where it concerned me a little bit that his parents would think that there was something weird going on with my wife and I because we used to go see Matt play and all that kind of thing. So Matt, it, and I, I may have told this story on here, but at one point, Matt fixed us up with his parents <laughs> and had us over for di- when, oh, in the offseason. We went to dinner over at the Clinker's house. They live about 15 minutes from us. And we all had dinner, and, and his parents are wonderful people, just wonderful people. Well, be- before you go any further, let me just, for those of you who don't know, Matt Clinker's a, a guy that we used to, we've been doing this podcast since 2007. Yeah, I, I was getting there, Chad. Well, you were slowly rolling around to us. So go ahead and uh, tell us who Matt Clinker is, for those of you that we haven't been have pro- We used to have this program on Red Leg Nation called our Spotlight Players. And they were minor league guys that we kind of formed a bond with in one way or another. Um uh, and followed their path through the minor leagues. Um, Matt was, was probably our longest running spotlight player. Um, Devin Mazzarocco was kind of a spotlight player. Tucker Barnhart was kind of a spotlight player, but we'd started kind of getting away from the idea at that point. Um, most of the guys we had didn't make it above a ball. I don't think uh, Matt was in, in 2011 was bouncing between double and triple a um and he talks a little bit about that in the interview but um matt retired and, and has gone on to have a wonderful life and and he talks he tells he, in the interview he talks about his personal life a little bit what, what's happened to him since he got out of baseball and then we talk a little bit about uh, we talk about the reds for a little while and and uh should should i give away matt i'm gonna i'm gonna give yeah, this part away. give it matt, away Big David Bell fan. Matt played for David Bell for three years, parts of three years in Carolina in, in 09, 10, and 11. And uh, Matt really, really is a David Bell fan. So it's going to be an interesting look at from someone who's actually been in the clubhouse with the Reds' new manager. And uh, uh, it's good stuff. Good stuff. And this know. was before David Bell turned to analytics. Right, yeah. So it's a whole, you know, different, you know, Matt has a different perspective than probably the person david bell is now of course you know none of us are the same people we were four or five years ago yeah absolutely absolutely i'm not but uh so anyway let's go ahead and just let's go ahead and dig into this and then after we come back maybe bill and i can answer a few uh viewer mail questions what do you think bill i i think they're not viewers viewer mail coming up after this uh fun interview with uh, with our buddy <laughs> matt Kalinker talking to bill Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's great to catch up with you again. Um, you retired from the Reds in what 2011? Tell us, tell us what you've yep. been doing since uh, then. So uh, after the 2011 season in the U.S., I went to Venezuela and played um, for a couple different teams. Uh, pretty interesting how they have their 
uh, the winter league set up um, where you, you play for one team and if they don't qualify for the next round of the playoffs, the teams that are still around can can select um, players from the eliminated teams. So that actually happened each round of the playoffs. So I kept moving to different teams. Um, so that was no late October 2011 to about February right before I was supposed to report to spring training in 2012. Um, I ended, I think I ended the 2011 season with the Reds on the, on the DL uh, with my, with a broken rib. And I was kind of looking for jobs and I, I, I found, found a pretty good opportunity. Uh, but I, my agent called me with the opportunity to play in Venezuela. So I was like, I'm going to go make some cash and then, you know, start a profession, you know, a real world job um, as soon as this, the season's over. It was kind of a flexible start time. They really didn't want me until like January 1, 2012. So I uh, played in Venezuela that winter and then got back to the U.S. in February and started a job with uh, Ferguson, um, you know, pipe supply uh, in late February 2012. Uh, moved to Houston, Texas in July of 2012 with them, uh, relocated, and then uh, have worked for a couple other different companies um, here in the Houston area, and just business development and, and sales um, in the, kind of the oil and gas sector, um, and it's been great. Uh, met my wife in Houston. Uh, she's actually from northwest Indiana, but... Uh, Met her in the summer of 2013. We married the summer of 14. Uh, added our first son in April of 2017. And then four weeks ago, added our second son. So Levi's the oldest. He's a year and a half. And then George is uh, is the recent addition. So um, happy family. That's That's wonderful. That is really cool. Is, is Victoria, is she from the Lafayette area? Not Lafayette. She did go to Purdue. That's kind of uh, kind of how we, one of the trends that we had that we talked about when we first met was that she was a Purdue grad, and um, my, both my parents went to Purdue, and my extended family's from Lafayette area. Um, she's actually from a little further north. Uh, like Cherville, Merrillville um, area, kind of just south of Gary. Uh, but yeah, she she did graduate from Purdue, so so, so your parents um, approved, definitely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, when, we, when you and I talked about doing this, we were going to talk about you know I'd ask you if you were still following the Reds, and you said yeah. But in, in lieu of the, the David Bell hiring, I went back and started looking at, at, at his career with the Reds, and, and I noticed that you played for him for part of three seasons. So let's let's talk about David Bell for a few minutes. Yeah, uh, sure. He so he spent three years in in Carolina, and I got to you know each nine, ten, and eleven. I spent bits of those seasons um, in Double Play. Uh, under under his management, so uh, a great guy, very happy for him. Um, you know, absolutely. Uh, I will say, in my time in the minors with the Reds, 
I don't think there's another guy. I mean, Mac, Mac Jenkins and I connected early on, um, you know, when I was in rookie ball and just feeling like I, I didn't have a place and I was just a roster filler. Um, he really encouraged me. But then, uh, you know, later on, there wasn't a single person in the entire organization that I felt um, supported me and wanted my development more than David. Um, and it wasn't just me, it was everyone. Um, you know, some managers are there to win, um, and player development is a, is a secondary that comes to that. Uh, some managers have their favorite players. Um, and, but David, I mean, was across the board. He wanted the, the best situation to put all his players in. And, um, it, he's a, he was a great guy to play for. Can you tell us a little bit about his his, his style in the dugout and on and, and managing games? Um, so he's a very soft spoken guy, but he'll he'll go to level ten if he needs to. Um, but very soft spoken, and he's gonna you know give you every opportunity to um, you know to to achieve or to to prove yourself or to not prove yourself. Um, and, you know, a lot of coaches will, will kind of not give you the kind of the, the string to hang yourself. But, uh, you know, David definitely will, will put you in, when give you the opportunity to, um, to succeed. And, and then it's up to you. So, and, and that's what players want. You know, we, we want to be able to, uh, go out there and compete and, and, um, and challenge ourselves. When when you when you knew David Bell or when you played for David Bell, it was very early in his career as a as a coach manager. And, and since then, you know, he's been bench coaches for the Cardinals. He's been hitting coach. And then with the Giants, he moved into the front office. It seems to me like he really checked all the boxes that you want in a manager. Well, I think almost check all the boxes for like a GM level. Um, you know, I think after doing three years in double A and then a year in triple A, um, you know, I think that would have led to a, a big league manager position. But, um, you know, the, the other experiences kind of, um, you know, kind of walking the line between player development, the front office and the big league, you know, staff kind of getting that experience, you know, that obviously that's beneficial to, to anyone. Um, but, you know, major league level as a manager, you're, you're not dealing with the minor league system. So I think that experience is, is great. I'm not sure how, you know, tangible it's going to be or how useful it's going to be in a, in a major league manager position. Do you, uh, do you, did you follow the Reds manager search? Very closely. I'm sorry. Did you follow the Reds' managerial search closely from down in Houston? Uh, I mean, a little bit. When, especially uh, so, like Girardi's name got brought up, and that kind of piqued my interest. And then I started doing some research about who they were um, interested in, and um, I mean, listen, I, I support David all the way, but it just, unfortunately, and I think it's a great decision, but, 
I mean, every it's it just seems a little cliche. Um, in, in my honest opinion, I don't know if there's another candidate out there that that's more um, you know qualified for the position, but uh, I mean, I think the Reds ownership and front office is already a little ancestral as it is and um you know it, it's hard maybe it's hard to get away from the bell family uh, they have such a good pedigree but uh you know uh it, it's just an interesting interesting pick yeah I, I, i'm not as concerned about that because he has so much experience in these other organizations that have that have winning uh his uh, recent winning history where the Reds don't, you know, the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Giants, you know, he's going to bring what he learned in those organizations, hopefully back to the Reds. Yeah. I mean, uh, listen, I mean, he was, was it the 2001 Mariners? I mean, I remember him telling stories on the bus in Carolina about that team. And I mean, uh, there's, there's no other winning, uh, no more winning team than that. So, um, you know, and I think, uh, being in a winning atmosphere just, just kind of breeds more winning. Um, so hopefully he can bring, you know, hopefully some of that is contagious, uh, with the current Reds team. And, um, you know, I think he's got uphill battle. Um, he, you know, a couple of the, the deals they have have kind of, um, hamstring the team, but um, you know I think he'll do a great job. You, you talk about the uphill battle, and, and everybody knows that this this Reds team that, that this isn't even the most important decision this team will make in this offseason. They they have to go out and find pitching. Do, do you believe that they'll go out and bring in the pitching they need to make this team competitive next year? I don't. I don't know how you can. Um, I mean, the Homer deal could go down as one of the worst pitching contracts in the history of the game. Um, and I mean, you could try to package him and eat his salary, and I still don't think anyone's going to pick him up. So, um, and then I mean, nothing against Votto. I think he's the best, you know, left-handed hitter in baseball. His num, you know, power numbers were a little down this year, but. Um, and I think he's justified every single dollar of his contract and, um, his approach at the plate, uh, you know, pool host was always a powers guy, power numbers are on the dip when you age. I don't think the risk is, um, there with Vado, but still with him under contract for four more years, uh, you know, that your flexibility to make make some moves is, is not there. So, um, you know, and, until they can move like a, a Billy Hamilton or, uh, you know, even though I wouldn't want to see him go, you know, you, you scooter, you know, he, that's kind of a buy, buy low. And, you know, his, his stock is probably never going to be higher. It's, and, you know, after next year, he's going to get a, probably a three or four year deal. So, um, you know, maybe move a couple of those kind of guys and bring in some pitching, but um, it's going to be tough. 
and, and I don't know if you've seen this, the, 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 the Castellini quotes uh, down there in Houston, but, you know, they've, they've said they're going to increase payroll. They haven't said how much. And Castellini is quoted the other day as saying, we will get pitching. You know, I think it all depends on how much they're going to increase the payroll. I mean, just because you spend money doesn't mean you're going to get a competitive team. I mean, you go out and get a guy like Matt Harvey, and, you know, he's on the wrong side of 30. So, uh, just because you spend money doesn't mean you're you're doing it in a, an effective and efficient manner. So, um, I I think that's what the fans wanted to hear, and so he said it. Uh, but um, you know, we'll see. So you don't have a whole lot of confidence that 2019 is going to be any different than 2018. I don't think 2000. I mean, until they get rid of Homer's deal and. Uh, I think they're they're you know it's the, the they don't have a lot of flexibility. So so offensive. Now, I mean some of the hitters some of the hitters out outperformed expectations. So you know maybe you get a couple pitchers that do that next year and you know uh, something something good could happen. But um, as far as making a you know a banner acquisition or or trade, I just, I, I, I don't see it happening. Okay. So, so what are your, what are your other thoughts as a, as a former player on, on this Reds team? Uh, wow. Uh, you got notes in front of you. You showed me your notes. What do you, <laughs> I mean, what I, what I think is funny is, I mean, just, Looking back now, and I mean, it's crazy that it's been seven years and just the direction that the Reds are going, and um, it just seems like there's just really, uh, it doesn't seem like there's like a three to five year plan. It just seems like, um, you know, we're very reactionary. And, you know, I'm, I'm so I moved to Houston in 2012, and uh, Astros are garbage. And in 2013, uh, my, my buddy John and I were out having dinner, and um, the, the Astros had, like, a front office, like, mingle, you know, outing. And so I'm, I'm at the bar with, like, the assistant general manager, and, you know, we're, we're talking baseball, and he, he finds out my story, and I was like, so what's the deal? And he's like, give us three years. I was like, three years? He's like, yep, give us three years. And that was 2013, and, you know, he turned around in 2016, and he he was absolutely right. So uh, um, they put a game plan together, and they executed it. Uh, and, and I think that's what, you know, that's what it's going to take. you, you got to take it on the chin, and, and instead of trying to save face each year and year out, you know, Put together a long-term plan and then and then go out and execute it. What do you think about the way the game is being played from the pitching standpoint right now? It seems like the value of starting pitchers is, is decreasing and the value of bullpen is increasing. Do you agree with that? Um, I don't know. I mean, 
starting pitching is is always valuable. Um, yeah, I mean, relievers are getting stretched. Um, you know, it's not just get me six and then I'm going to go seven, eight, nine with three different guys uh, to slam the door, you know. Uh, managers are pulling guys in the fourth and the fifth and, and then, get, you know, stretching a reliever two innings plus. Um, and, you know, it's different, um, but... If you look at what guys like Verlander are doing and Kershaw are doing, they're they're still going deep into games, and um, you know it saves your bullpen. Uh, I, I don't know. Well, the, the Verlanders and Kershaws, there aren't a whole lot of guys at that that pitch at that level, though. Uh, I understand, but. You know, is it the chicken or the egg? Are we are we demanding less of our starters, and therefore we're getting less out of our starters, or um, are the starters not that good, so therefore we have to rely on our relievers more? What's it like living in American League City now? I mean, it's it's different. Um, it. I will say I love the move for the Astros. Uh, in 2012, when I moved here, you know, the Reds were down um, all the time. I think twice uh, the second half. So that was fun to watch them, but I felt like I couldn't cheer for the Astros. I had to cheer for the Reds. And then 2013, they make the jump, and, you know, I could cheer for both teams. And the Reds still came back for interleague play that year, so that was great. Um, but, yeah, I mean – I, I think it's, I would love to see the Astros in the in the National League still, so we got to see the Reds in town more. But um, you know, in the American League, now I get to root for two teams. Um, so, and you know, if they ever meet in the World Series, which I hope they do, uh, well, I'm not sure who I pull for. Have you have you kept in contact with any of your old teammates? Uh, yeah. I've, I text the Kozar, um, and Mezzarocco every now and then, um, but uh, most of the the guys I do stay in touch with most most aren't playing anymore. So it's got you know career minor leaguers like myself who who never made it. So ever had any any second thoughts? Oh yeah. When the Reds start three and fifteen, obviously you have second thoughts. <laughs> All right, let, let's start wrapping this. When thing. Homer's got a, go ahead. When Homer's got an ERA close to seven, of course you got second thoughts. <laughs> and you'd have done it for half the money. Yeah, give me the minimum. <laughs> Anyway, Matt, let, let's start wrapping this up here. Anything you'd like to, to finish up on here talking about the Reds or, or things you've seen or things you think they should do? Uh, um, pray. <laughs> but but you're, you think they – it sounds uh, – No, they'll uh, – Go ahead. They'll, they'll figure it out. I mean, they, uh, they got a good group, um, good ownership group, and I just – I mean, it's a business, right? So they have to make money. So I, I really don't expect them to go crazy with the payroll. But um, that doesn't mean you can't win. You know, um, they just have to find a, a, a way to do it with developing players. And 
Um, you know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, there was definitely some positives this year, um, with the team and, uh, hopefully they can kind of capture those and, uh, make some acquisitions with trades, uh, to, to kind of maybe fill the minor leagues and then make a push in, in two or three years. One of the, something just occurred to me. And you can probably express it. One of the things that some of us are frustrated with with the Reds organization is that they bring their minor leaguers through the organization very slowly, especially like compared to the Braves, who, who you know bring their guys through quickly and, and have them in the big leagues. You know, at, at nineteen, twenty years old. Did you feel that way when you were in the minor leagues that they were slow bringing guys through? I mean, absolutely, when I was in the minor leagues, and I'm not saying that because I'm jaded, but I'm saying that because the big league team was just was stacked. Um, you know, I mean, 2010, they were phenomenal. There wasn't room to bring up guys. Um, I mean, sure, you see what Yasmani Grandal and, and Yonder Alonso are doing and other organizations, what Frazier's done since he's left the, the Reds, and... Um, you know, you wonder why those guys had to spend a year in every single minor league spot, but, uh, you know, there just wasn't room. Sure, you can look back then and, oh, well, why did Scott Rowland have a spot? Couldn't, you know, couldn't you move Cozart to third and, and get him up a year earlier? I mean, sure, but, um, you know, they had a lot of pieces of the puzzle in place, and they, they tried to just tack on a few, you know, uh, veteran leadership kind of guys to, to get them over the top. And, you know, I, I still think of the, was it the Philly, the, the Giants, when they had the Giants down, you know, 2-0 and then the Giants came back. I mean, that was the year, um, you know, that was the team that, 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 that was destined. Um, and that's what you got to do. You, you got to put the pieces of the puzzle in place and, and, and try to make a, a run like that. And unfortunately, they ran into a buzzsaw that year. But, uh, you know, uh, you can't, I mean, it, it's tough to be good every year. Um, try to just put a good team together every every five years and then rebuild the other years. You're not the Yankees. Yeah. Of course, of course, the, the, the reason you're talking about they didn't bring people up when you were in, they don't have that same reasoning now. Yeah, sure, exactly. And, uh, you know, if you look at if you looked at how many guys in 2010 got at least one inning, you know, pitched one inning in the majors, and compared that to the number of guys who pitched one, you know, at least one innings this year with the Reds, I'd I'd be shocked if it wasn't double. Yeah. All right. Anything else that you'd like to say to Red Leg Nation? No, that's it. Uh, you know, I appreciate all the support during my time in the minors, and it's it's good to catch up. And um, you know, hope hopefully you guys enjoy the off season, um, enjoy some Bengals football, and uh, we'll look forward to to pitchers and catchers in late February. And hopefully, we can do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. All righty, thank you, Matt. And we're back. Bill Lack and Matt Klinker. That was fun. Always good to talk to Matt. Uh, he's, he's just a great guy. He always, you know, be, when he lives here, it was always great seeing him in the offseason. 
I, I want to tell one quick little Matt story to tell you the kind of person Matt is. When my son got ready to go to college, and I may have told this story on a podcast before, I don't know. When my son got ready to go to college, Matt and he had gone to the same high school, not at the same time, but it, it, Matt sat down and wrote up the ABCs of going to college, A through Z, wrote it up and gave it to my son before he left for college. He's a, I, I think that's pretty cool. He's a unique, a unique young man. And even back when, you know, he was in his early twenties and we were talking, just uncommonly mature and just a really nice guy. So appreciate him taking even more time for us after all these years. Oh, and, and, he, and he wants to come back. Yeah, well, we'll absolutely. We'll have him back anytime, anytime. Yeah. So uh, you ready for a little bit of viewer mail? I'm ready for some listener mail. Why do you keep doing this, Bill? It's viewer can, can mail, man. <laughs> yes. In the they don't know you're sitting there in a T-shirt and your underwear. Easy now. <laughs> I got sweatpants on. Um, I want to thank all of you for sending the viewer mail questions. I'm just uh, sort of blown away by the response to it, and uh, we're probably not going to be able to get to all of them because we got so many this week. But I promise you that. Oh, wait, wait. wait, 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 wait! I want to go back to last week's questions. Well, okay, one me... second. All right, because I beat you up with this at the end. Yeah, the, I know. Uh... I know. Two oh, things. Yeah. One is you forgot that Tony Perez managed in in Miami for most best part of a year. <laughs> well, my next and, book's going to be other... the Big Fifty: The Men and Moments That Made the Miami Marlins. There you go. And then the other one was you guys, you guys disrespected Sparky Anderson, both of you, when you talked about the when you had the manager's question. I mean, Sparky was the one that, that created the 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 bullpen usage i mean basically what they're doing now sparky was doing in the 70s uh, and you dismissed that you dismissed the fact that he had a very young team when he took that over in 1970 was i don't think there was a guy on a regular player that was over 30 are, are you finished berating me okay we can move on now <laughs> i never saw him uh, i never really saw the reds with sparky oh no, I, I told home, you so. but you were ready to bring back the manager from the 1940 reds uh, that's a good team yeah, and that 75, 76 team, they were a bunch of slackers. Overrated. <laughs> you're probably right, as I conceded this weekend. You're probably right. I think we were just sort of staying away from Sparky because that's the answer. Because it's the easy answer. It's the easy answer. We were trying yeah, to get I, cute. I all right, moving on. All right, moving I just, on. I just wanted you to tell me I was right. All right, you're right for the first time <laughs> ever. Viewer mail. See, you've already got me in trouble with Bill, you guys. But uh, I want to Listener mail. <laughs> I want to tell you that... Uh, we did get uh, a lot of questions this week. I'm not sure how many we can get to, but we'll get to as many as we can. And uh, if you, I, I promise you, if you if if you don't get it answered on the podcast, I am reading all of these viewer mail questions, and uh, love the fact that you guys are getting more involved in the podcast. So I'm going to pick one at random. Um, here we go. Oh, here we go. Listen to this now. Um, this is someone that's directing this probably to me. It's uh, from uh, Vander. 1017 on Twitter at Vander 1017. What's Twitter? Uh, Twitter.com is a horrible website. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Vander 1017 on Twitter asks, you could have to choose one job for the rest of your professional life. Which do you choose and why? Number one, Supreme Court justice. Number two, literally any job associated with MLB, Reds GM, commissioner, ball boy, etc. I guess that's probably directed to me, right? I think it probably is, because I don't think I've got the uh, the credentials to be a Supreme Court justice. There you, well, neither do I. Um, if I could choose one job for the rest of my professional life, it would 
of those two, it would easily be a general manager of the Cincinnati Reds. Um, love what I do. And, uh, you know, of course, you wouldn't have that job for the rest of your life because all those positions are created for you to be fired. See, that's the thing, though, is that his question said you choose it for the I rest know. of your professional life. So I'm assuming I'm going to be a lifetime GM. So you're going to be like a bell. You're, you know, you'll work for the Reds forever. A jockety. I'll be Walt Jockety. <laughs> you'll be Walt. Ooh, you're going to be the next Walt Jockety. That's what I always dreamed of. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the question at Vander1017, who emailed me at uh, chaddotson at redlegnation.com. That's how you can have your question. Uh, hopefully answered on the podcast during this viewer mail segment where we listen, where we uh, answer questions from viewers. There he goes again. All right. Let's see what we got now. How about one from, uh, oh, who are we going? Where are we going next? Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to answer this one, even though it's, uh, um, this is from Colin Mickle. I assume it's Mickle. Uh, Colin says, uh, thanks for all for the podcast, the site. Um, it's invaluable as a Reds fan to have a uh, source providing intelligent yet clear-sighted commentary on the team. He must be a new viewer. He, he, he must be. He must be reading the website, not listening to the podcast. That's right, Colin. Much <laughs> that's much appreciated. Um, and he said, "My viewer mail question um, may be one that you're too tactful and professional to answer on the podcast. And if so, I completely <laughs> understand. But I'm going to take it." And tactful I, and, and, and us. <laughs> well, sometimes we have to be. Maybe when maybe when you're on with with somebody else. Um, maybe. Uh, the question is: Are the Reds beat writers a problem? We talked a little bit about this on Saturday. Yeah. Um, I, to me, the answer is yes. Uh, I, I shouldn't say. Depend. I don't know if a problem is the right word. Yeah. Yeah. That's too. That's too strong. Um, I've never held a job, so I don't know how difficult it is. We've never had a beat writer here, I don't think, that I can remember, even including McCoy, that would hold that really held a player's feet to the fire. Not like you read about happens in New York or Philly or probably Chicago, Boston, you know. The, you know. Um, but do I think they push as much as they probably should? No, but it's easy for us to say. Yeah. You know, because we don't have to deal with them every. You know, we don't have to deal with those guys. You know, for six months. You know, and if you become too big of a pain in the rear end. They're just going to quit talking to you. Yeah. And then what do you do? Is is it a situation where there really isn't, like in the old days, you'd have your your, your reporters, which is what these guys really are, versus uh, sort of more opinion guys. And the reporter just reports the news. It just reports what's going on with the team. And an opinion guy might be the one that's not carrying the team's water, as, as Colin put it, but, the, you know, might be holding their feet to the fire. And maybe the, maybe the way that media is today, they're forced to uh, sort of be both of those and – you know, it's an uncomfortable thing because they have to face these guys every day. And you can make that you can make that same case with with you know regular news. You no. know how much straight, how much straight news is there anymore? Really? Yeah. You know, you, you watch the channel that's going to give you the slant that you want to hear. Um, I, I, I do think that the, the columnists are, are you know the, the Doherty's. They at least don't make any bones about. The fact that they're, you know, there's a, it's their opinion. Right. Um, you know, the John phase and, and, and I, and, and I like John, he's a good guy. He's a really good guy. All these guys are great guys and they've all been, yeah. except for the new guy, they've all been on the podcast and I like you know, them all. John is the only one that I know that I've ever met. Um, 
And it, and like I said, it's easy to say that, that, that you know, but but as, as somebody in our discussion on Saturday when we were just standing around talking, a lot of it just seems like now they're the PR arm of the of the Reds. You know, let me read a little bit more of Colin's question because I think this might be might sort of put some context to it. He said, Colin says, those guys seem so hostile and defensive in their interactions with fans who offer the slightest frustration or criticism of this, let's face it, pretty lousy organization. Uh, I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter, not familiar with the media ecosystem covering other teams, but it seems that the Reds beat is particularly broken in this aspect. Um, I, he said, let's see, I can't, ah, I missed it. Uh, it just seems like they're carrying the team's water and sniping at fans on Twitter. And and I think maybe part of it is carrying the team's water. You know, I don't even really, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to be trying to be too tactful and professional to answer this on a podcast. But well, I, I think, I think part of the thing, and it sounds like he's, he's, he's catching a lot of this on Twitter. And part of it is the problem is the medium. I I think they are. I think there's two things. I think they are very cozy with the team. Yeah. I think they're very cozy. But but when we have, when we talk to Chris Welch, I wouldn't say Chris is carrying a team. I would never say Chris is carrying a team's water. No. But he's also been around for X number of years and may, I don't I don't know. He's is he in the clubhouse every day? I don't know. I don't I don't my guess is he's only in the clubhouse on the days he's working. Yeah. So um and I think that you have to have a little sympathy for these guys uh on Twitter. Because I get a, just a tiny amount of the nonsense that gets directed at them. It's, that's my point. But yeah. I do get some of it, and, and I can see why they come off as hostile and defensive in their interactions with fans, because they are dealing with the very worst of the Reds fan base often. Well, and, and, I, and it's like what happened with you with, with Green. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I isn't that. that a fair comparison here? I remember that. Yeah, I mean, I think they're getting people just screaming at them all the time. And I think they probably default to being trying to be reasonable. And sometimes that comes across as being hold, carrying the team's water. I don't. Or, or snide or snotty. Yeah. I, I, I can see. Plus the fact that if you've been doing any writing or anything or writing emails or dealing with social media for any length of time, you never know what your tone is when you're writing. It's, it, it has so much to do with how people want to read it. Yes, absolutely. So, um, I think they've got a difficult job in some ways. I think are the ways that the beat could, uh, that I would, if I were in that job, I, I can say that it's easy for me to say, but would I do things differently? I would hope so. Uh, but on the other hand, um, I don't know. It's a difficult media environment. There's me being tact, trying to be tactful. Well, and, 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 you know, and you always, when you're sitting here and reading and reading things later, you always think, well, why didn't he ask this? Or why didn't he ask that? And you and I have both done interviews with people. And when you listen to him later, you go, crap, why didn't I ask him this after he said that? You know, because sometimes you're already thinking about your next question instead of listening to what they're telling you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you know, I think it's it's real easy to, 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 to throw, you know, stones. But, you know, do I think they could do a better job, you know, when, when a player does something that's obviously wrong? You know, and, and 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 try to get a you know put them to the wall and, and make them give you know an answer. Yeah, and but I think it's easier to probably get some players to talk to you than others. Yeah. You know, we we've heard these guys, the beat writers, talk for years, and they, and it was very apparent. You know, I, I think I think John Fay said one time that that Adam Dunn was one of the best people that he ever dealt with. 
Mm-hmm. Adam, no matter what happened, was standing in his locker every night after the game was over, whether he won the game or lost the game, and was talking to you. And you and I both know that there are other players on this team because they've they've come after Red Lake Nation. If they don't like anything negative being said or written right. about, and 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 especially players these days don't have to go through the media. They got right. their own social media outlets. They can say whatever they want. So mm-hmm. the job has changed for a beat writer, uh, you know, and it's a difficult one. But it's there are I think there are fair areas for criticism, while also acknowledging that it's a difficult job. Absolutely. All right, let's go to one more here from uh, David Haynes at WD Haynes One, who emailed us uh, Chad Dotson at RedLegNation.com. Uh, love the podcast and the site. Longtime Reds fans. Um, said i've uh, read so much about the reds including a great book he mentioned there uh, yes i have heard of that book actually it's really good uh it's called the big 50 the minute moments anyway a uh, question for the uh for viewer mail he, he, the title of his email was viewer mail aka listener email so he threw a bone to you there tell Thank me you. tell me what you think the biggest what if of the last 30 years or so is uh, and the examples he gives are what if uh, jose rio and tom Brunning don't get hurt in the early 90s what if marge doesn't run davy off what if the 99 reds scored against al Leiter? I know what my answer is here, and it may be the same as yours. We haven't talked about this beforehand, but what do you th- do? You have one. Or do you want me to go ahead and tell you mine? The biggest what if of the last thirty years? Mine would be what if the Reds had come back and and won that next game and against the Giants in the playoffs? Do they do they go on and win the World Series? I think they were as good a team as in the national as there was in the National League that year. Yep, that's my the last thirty years. That's probably my biggest what if. Yeah, I'm gonna have to count up thirty years. Puts, yeah, I think I'm I'm within the thirty years. My biggest what if is what if Eric Davis could stay healthy? Yeah, I think Eric Davis is an inner circle Hall of Famer if he stays healthy. I, it's 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 hard to argue with that. I mean, I think he was Willie Mays in 1987. Um, I think he was better than Willie Mays in 1987. I, I think Willie Mays actually said that uh, he said I'm honored by the comparison to Eric Davis that year. And, yeah. That's a quote that's in the book, the big 50. Uh, never mind. There he goes again. <laughs> there he goes again. Let's see. we got time for one more. Let me find one. Here. That's a good question. Thanks for that question. That's a really interesting question. I like that one. That is a good one. Absolutely. And, um, and, and, if, I, and if, we, if we sat and thought, we might be able to come up with different answers. Yeah. You know, if yeah, you but think. But, but coming off the top of our head, that's what we got. But it's a really good question. Thank you. It's a fun one to talk about. And I like that type of question. And yep. as I said, you can email us. And they don't have to be just about baseball. And they don't just have to be about the current team. Ask whatever you want. We'll try to answer it if we can. Yeah, but don't get don't don't send those wackadoodle questions in like they like they send to Marty for that Cincinnati Bell thing. Oh, come on. I don't know what the word wackadoodle means, where you pulled that one out from. But uh, uh, when you're as old as I am, you make up words. <laughs> okay. Well, we got one from Mike McClanahan. Mike asks, uh, viewer mail submission. We got a hitter's ballpark, no pitching coaching staff, a meddling owner, and malcontent Homer Bailey hanging around. I can see just Homer Bailey wearing a hoodie or something. Well, I, well I'm really, I'm really high. You're really pumping up the adrenaline here. <laughs> His viewer mail question is, why would free agent pitchers ever want to come to Cincinnati? That's a good question. I know the Money. answer. Money. Money. <laughs> Money talks. Uh, and, and, you know... If you got if you got a pitcher that can keep the ball down, get ground balls, doesn't matter how big the ballpark is. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. You know, the, 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 the two big thing, you know, and you said this a number of times during the manager search, that's not going to be the biggest decision as to the Reds' future that happens this year. It's going to be what they do in the offseason with 
bringing in new players. And, and Matt talked a little bit about that in the interview. Yeah, it's uh, that's that's going to be key. It's uh, this is the one that gets the splashy headlines right now. But what's going to happen this and and with pitchers, the, the, Bob Castellini is going to have to lay out some cash. And he said we're going to get the pitching. Get the pitching. Of course, you know if that includes it means my my huge fear is that they're going to you know resign. They'll get some mediocre guy and resign Harvey and say, well, we went out and got pitching. Got the pitching. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that right now. I'm a, that's what I'm concerned about as well. Bill, yeah. we got to wrap it up, man. Here we go. All right, uh, this is the Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 232 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. If you're not a subscriber already, go subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, find us at Red Leg Nation on Twitter. At Red Leg Radio is the podcast handle on Twitter. And uh, you can find us at RedLegNation.com every single day where we're following the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, as I said, go subscribe. Also, leave us a good rating uh, and a review, if you would, at wherever you get your podcasts. Certainly would appreciate that. If you like us, talk about us. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Yes. Bill, always fun talking to you, buddy. Always good to be with you, my friend. All right, for Bill Lack and Matt Clinker, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.